Chapter Twenty Six of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Twenty Six. Adventures at home. I am introduced to my grandfather. He obtains employment for O'Brien and myself, and we join a frigate. As soon as we were on the deck of the cutter, the lieutenant commanding her inquired of us in a consequential manner who we were. O'Brien replied that we were English prisoners who had escaped. Oh, midshipmen, I presume, replied the lieutenant. I heard that some had contrived to get away. My name, sir, said O'Brien, is Lieutenant O'Brien, and if you'll send for Steele's list, I will have the honour of pointing it out to you. This young gentleman is Mr. Peter Simple, midshipman and grandson to the right honourable lord viscount privilege the lieutenant who was a little snub-nosed man with a pimply face then altered his manner towards us and begged we would step down into the cabin where he offered what perhaps was the greatest of all luxuries to us some english cheese and bottled porter pray said he did you see anything of one of my officers who was taken prisoner when i was sent with dispatches to the mediterranean fleet may i first ask the name of your lively little craft said o'brien the snapper replied the lieutenant och murder sure enough we met him he was sent to verdun but we had the pleasure of his company en route as far as montpelier a remarkably genteel well-dressed young man was he not why i can't say much about his gentility indeed i am not much of a judge as for his dress he ought to have dressed well but he never did one on board of me his father is my tailor, and I took him as midshipman just to square an account between us. That's exactly what I thought, replied O'Brien. He did not say any more, which I was glad of, as the lieutenant might not have been pleased at what had occurred. When do you expect to run into port? demanded O'Brien, for we were rather anxious to put our feet ashore again in old England. The lieutenant replied that his cruise was nearly up and he considered our arrival quite sufficient reason for him to run in directly, and that he intended to put his helm up after the people had had their dinner. We were much delighted with this intelligence, and still more to see the intention put into execution half an hour afterwards. In three days we anchored at Spithead, and went on shore with the lieutenant to report ourselves to the admiral. Oh, with what joy did I first put my foot on the shingle beach at Sallyport, and then hastened to the post-office to put in a long letter which i had written to my mother we did not go to the admiral's but merely reported ourselves at the admiral's office for we had no clothes fit to appear in but we called at meredith the tailor and he promised that by the next morning we should be fitted complete we then ordered new hats and everything we required and went to the fountain inn o'brien refused to go to the blue posts as being only a receptacle for midshipmen by eleven o'clock the next morning we were fit to appear before the admiral who received us very kindly and requested our company to dinner as i did not intend setting off for home until i had received an answer from my mother we of course accepted the invitation there was a large party of naval officers and ladies and o'brien amused them very much during dinner when the ladies left the room the admiral's wife told me to come up with them and when we arrived at the drawing-room the ladies all gathered round me and i had to narrate the whole of my adventures which very much entertained and interested them the next morning i received a letter from my mother such a kind one entreating me to come home as fast as i could and bring my preserver o'brien with me i showed it to o'brien and asked him whether he would accompany me 
why fater my boy i have a little business of some importance to transact which is to obtain my arrears of pay and some prize money which i find due when i have settled that point i will go to town to pay my respects to the first lord of the admiralty and then i think i will go and see your father and mother for until i know how matters stand and whether i shall be able to go with spare cash in my pocket i do not wish to see my own family so write down your address here and you'll be sure i'll come if it is only to square my accounts with you for i am not a little in your debt i cashed a check sent by my father and set off in the mail that night the next evening i arrived safe home but i shall leave the reader to imagine the scene to my mother i was always dear and circumstances had rendered me of some importance to my father for i was now an only son and his prospects were very different from what they were when i left home about a week afterwards o'brien joined us having got through all his business his first act was to account with my father for his share of the expenses and he even insisted on paying his half of the fifty napoleons given me by celeste which had been remitted to a banker at paris before o'brien's arrival with a guarded letter of thanks from my father to colonel o'brien and another from me to dear little celeste o'brien had remained with us about a week he told me that he had about one hundred and sixty pounds in his pocket and that he intended to go and see his friends as he was sure that he would be welcome even to father mcgrath i mean to stay with them about a fortnight and shall then return and apply for employment will you like to be again under my protection o'brien i will never quit you or your ship if i can help it spoken like a sensible painter well then i wish promised immediate employment and i will let you know as soon as the promise is performed o'brien took his leave of my family who were already very partial to him and left that afternoon for holyhead my father no longer treated me as a child indeed it would have been an injustice if he had i do not mean to say that i was a clever boy but i had seen much of the world in a short time and could act and think for myself he often talked to me about his prospects which were very different from what they were when i left him my two uncles his elder brothers had died the third was married and had two daughters if he had no son my father would succeed to the title the death of my elder brother tom had brought me next in succession my grandfather lord privilege who had taken no more notice of my father than occasionally sending him a basket of game had latterly often invited him to the house and had even requested some day or another to see his wife and family he had also made a handsome addition to my father's income which the death of my two uncles had enabled him to do against all this my uncle's wife was reported to be again in the family way i cannot say that i was pleased when my father used to speculate upon these chances so often as he did i thought not only as a man but more particularly as a clergyman he was much to blame but i did not then know so much of the world we had not heard from o'brien for two months when a letter arrived stating that he had seen his family and had bought a few acres of land which had made them all quite happy and had quitted with father mcgrath's double blessing with unlimited absolution that he had now been a month in town trying for employment but found that he could not obtain it although one promise was backed up by another a few days after this my father received a note from lord privilege requesting that he would come and spend a few days with him and bring his son peter who had escaped from the french prison of course this was an invitation not to be neglected and we accepted it forthwith i must say i felt rather in awe of my grandfather he had kept the family at such a distance that i had always heard his name mentioned more with reverence than with any feeling of kindred but i was a little wiser now we arrived at eagle park a splendid estate where he resided and were received by a dozen servants in and out of livery and ushered into his presence he was in his library a large room surrounded with handsome bookcases sitting on an easy chair 
a more venerable placid old gentleman i never beheld his grey hairs hung down on each side of his temples and were collected in a small queue behind he rose and bowed as we were announced to my father he held out two fingers in salutation to me only one but there was an elegance in the manner in which it was done which was indescribable he waved his hand to chairs placed by the gentleman out of livery and requested we would be seated i could not at the time help thinking of mr chucks the boatswain in his remarks upon high breeding which were so true and i laughed to myself when i recollected that mr chucks had once dined with him as soon as the servants had quitted the room the distance on the part of my grandfather appeared to wear off he interrogated me on several points and seemed pleased with my replies but he always called me child after a conversation of half an hour my father rose saying that his lordship must be busy and that he would go over the grounds till dinner-time my grandfather rose and we took a sort of formal leave but it was not a formal leave after all it was high breeding respecting yourself and respecting others for my part i was pleased with the first interview and so i told my father after we had left the room my dear peter replied he your grandfather has one idea which absorbs most others the peerage the estate and the descent of it in the right line as long as your uncles were alive we were not thought of as not being in the line of descent nor should we now but that your uncle william has only daughters still we are not looked upon as actual but only contingent inheritors of the title were your uncle to die to-morrow the difference in his behaviour would be manifested immediately that is to say instead of two fingers you would receive the whole hand and instead of one i should obtain promotion to two at this my father laughed heartily saying peter you have exactly hit the mark i cannot imagine how we ever could have been so blind as to call you the fool of the family to this i made no reply for it was difficult so to do without depreciating others or depreciating myself but i changed the subject by commenting on the beauties of the park and the splendid timber with which it was adorned yes peter replied my father with a sigh thirty-five thousand a year in land money in the funds and timber worth at least forty thousand more are not to be despised but god wills everything after this remark my father appeared to be in deep thought and i did not interrupt him we stayed ten days with my grandfather during which he would often detain me for two hours after breakfast listening to my adventures and i really believe was very partial to me the day before i went away he said child you are going to-morrow now tell me what you would like as i wish to give you a token of regard don't be afraid what shall it be a watch and seals or anything you most fancy my lord replied i if you wish to do me a favour it is that you will apply to the first lord of the admiralty to appoint lieutenant o'brien to a fine frigate and at the same time ask for a vacancy as midshipman for me o'brien replied his lordship i recollect it was he who accompanied you from france and appears by your account to have been a true friend i am pleased with your request my child and it shall be granted his lordship then desired me to hand him the paper and ink standish wrote by my directions sealed the letter and told me he would send me the answer the next day we quitted eagle park his lordship wishing my father good-bye with two fingers and to me extending one as before but he said i am pleased with you child you may write occasionally when we were on our route home my father observed that i had made more progress with my grandfather than he had known any one to do since he could recollect his saying that you might write him is at least ten thousand pounds to you in his will for he never deceives any one or changes his mind 
my reply was that i should like to see the ten thousand pounds but that i was not so sanguine a few days after i returned home i received a letter and enclosure from lord privilege the contents of which were as follows my dear child i send you lord blank's answer which i trust will prove satisfactory my compliments to your family yours etc privilege the enclosure was a handsome letter from the first lord stating that he had appointed o'brien to the sanglier frigate and had ordered me to be received on board as midshipman i was delighted to forward this letter to o'brien's address who in a few days sent me an answer thanking me and stating that he had received his appointment and that i need not join for a month which was quite time enough as the ship was refitting but that if my family were tired of me which was sometimes the case in the best regulated families why then i should learn some things of my duty by coming to portsmouth he concluded by sending his kind regards to all the family and his love to my grandmother which last i certainly did not forward in my letter of thanks about a month afterwards i received a letter from o'brien stating that the ship was ready to go out of the harbour and would be anchored off spithead in a few days End of chapter twenty six